Hello, my name's James Pikeway, and you're listening to Catching Up. This week, we're getting into the Wayback Machine, and we're going to revisit a conversation I had with Hugh McLeod, the business card artist, 10 years ago. Hugh's gone on to do more than, of course, business cards. He's the co-founder of Gaping Void, the cultural design group. Gaping Void helps create more engaged organizations that consistently outperform their competitors by designing a better and more meaningful culture. As they go on to say on their own website, their work is based on proven management science, culture science, and they use the data and insights to develop tools that create sustainable change at scale. They help shift mindsets so people in a workplace can find joy, meaning, and connection in what they do, which is the backbone of what Hugh started doing with Hugh Card's business card art many years ago. I got to catch up with Hugh 10 years ago, and we were talking about how he got started. Why business cards? Why art? Hugh is very motivational. Hugh is very insightful. Hugh is very to the bone with his comments and very poignant in his observations. Hugh McLeod is a person you want to sit down and have a coffee with, and this is your opportunity to do so on Catching Up with Hugh McLeod. Hugh, welcome to the program. Hello, how are you, sir? I'm doing very well, and I must say this is an absolute pleasure for me to have you on the on the telephone here. I've been talking in about the last seven minutes, basically, about the phenomenon of Hugh McLeod. And, and oh, dear. We've been talking a little bit about Gaping Void and Web 2.0, and, and ultimately what I really, really want to go with here, and I'm very interested in, is how you've taken Web 2.0 technologies and blogging in particular, and used it in some pretty interesting ways. Can you talk to, to us a little bit about what you're doing with things like English Cut and, and uh, Stormbook? Oh, sure, Stormbook. And, uh, well, it, you have to go back seven years when I was unemployed and poor. <laughs> and I'm a, I, I'm a cartoonist. Okay. Uh, and, uh, so basically cartoonists make no money. Exactly. Tell me about it. <laughs> uh, but what I started doing was, because I was, had a lot of time on my hands, I wanted to post my cartoons online. I wanted a web page. Okay. Uh, and I, I discovered the blog format, which instead of having some webmaster build it for you and, you know, charge you money every time you make a change or add something to it, you could kind of just add new cartoons on a daily basis or semi-daily basis as often as you wanted for free. And, and like there's all, so, all sorts of these softwares are out there. I mean, I've been talking about the Google stuff, but there's, you know, TypePad and Word, you know, they go on yeah, and on and I, on. I use, I use movable type. There's okay. WordPress. That's good too. And uh, so I started putting my cartoons up there, and uh, started noticing how people reacted to them and how conversations were hmm. uh, started around them. And I kind of got into I kind of got into the format because it's just so cheap and easy and global. Yeah. <laughs> and most media before that wasn't cheap, wasn't easy. And wasn't global. And so here's, know, so, here's, so here's Hugh McLeod, a, a cartoonist who wants a way to distribute his work seven years ago. You've got no money, so you embrace this, this Web 2.0 free stuff to distribute yeah. your work. Yeah, and uh, this guy called Clay Shirky, uh, an, uh, NYU, a New York University professor, mm-hmm. and he, you know, his great line was, forget about blogging and bloggers and 2.0, and just remember this, that from now on, the cost and difficulty of anybody publishing anything into global media 
has just gotten a lot lower. Hmm. And that's going to have profound effects. My name's James Pikeaway. This is Catching Up, and we are in conversation with Hugh McLeod. You're actually, I mean, I'm interrupting you here, but this is a, a great segue into something else. I mean, we are, I was just taking a little look at How to Be Creative, which is published right. up on changethis.com. And we're talking right. over a million PDF, down, PDF file downloads of this mm. product. Uh, yeah, or, well, if, if you include the, I also have it on my website. If you, if you, if you include them both, it's probably about, about 2 million, maybe. So 2 and, million and, downloads. And yeah, so about 2 million people have read it, and I have no idea. That's how many downloads have been. I have no idea how many, uh, you know, how many PDFs have been emailed other places. So, uh, you know. Well, I, I can assure you that all my students read it. I pass them on to all my communication students. So, you know. There you go. There you go. <laughs> There's a, uh, you know, it's funny, yeah, and, and so I've been read a lot, and now it's been uh, parlayed into a book deal with Penguin, which is a big English, um, Anglo-American uh, book publishing concern. Sure, we're very familiar with, with Penguin here, with Borders and all of our other bookstores that, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so now, and, so uh, that's, that's fun, that's what, four years down the road that this has finally come out into a book deal, started as something for free using the, using Web 2.0 yeah. technologies. Well, it's funny, because I, I remember when uh, I had certain publishers, Penguin was not the first publisher uh, to approach me, but they were the uh, first publisher who uh, understood what I wanted. Mm. And I remember I remember another publisher asked, you know, was interested in the book, and he sent me a questionnaire, <laughs> a very long questionnaire. And the, one of the questions was, why do you think this book's going to be successful? And I just put, I wrote sarcastically, you know, because the bloody thing's been downloaded two million times. Why do you think it's going to be successful? <laughs> <laughs> and and what know, response like, did you get from them from that? Uh, I, kind of a, a little, uh, <clears throat> a little cough, <laughs> a little, uh, a little. You know how people kind of pull their collars when they're, <clears throat> yes, yeah. you know, a bit of a cough. But uh, you know, and then uh, so I was having a really good time with this, this idea that you can say anything you want anywhere with zero. With zero, uh, you know, with zero cost, basically. And hmm. then a friend of mine is an English tailor. He works on Savile Row. Okay. And he makes, you know, $5,000 suits, you know, yeah. 3,000-pound suits. Uh. And uh, he was telling me all these great stories about being in the tailoring craft. And I said, you know, man, you should, you should put this on a blog. And he goes, what's the blog? <laughs> and uh, I said, well, I don't know. What's the suit? <laughs> so we got him to... Uh, we got him to start writing his blog about English tailoring, which became EnglishCut.com. And to make a long story short, it you know tripled his business in six months. Really, because, just by sharing his stories. Yeah, because he wasn't you know writing the usual what I call you know uh, mahogany paneling crap. You know, yeah. established in you know 1985, we've been uh, you know making the finest bespoke tailoring in the old English tradition. Yak 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 yak. You know the same thing all the other tailors are saying. He started writing stories about. You know the pubs all the tailors drink in, or he started saying he started sharing tips about how to sew in a button properly, and hmm. and you know all the suit geeks loved it. Hmm. So there are people who love spending a lot of money on suits, and then going online and talking to other people who spend a lot of money on suits, and they'll start talking about him, and then and then you know a few of them took the plunge and ordered some suits, and they show, then they went back in the forums and said, hey, I just bought a suit from Thomas, it's really wonderful, and. It just kind of snowballed. Now he's got a two-year waiting list. Wow. So. I think that's what every tailor wants, isn't it? Yeah. And, uh, and the funny thing is, all the other tailors on Salvador were going, what the hell is he up to? <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and 
and he gets a lot of people from com- competing shops saying, well, I don't want to work for my shop anymore. I want to come work for you, you know, and it's, he's become a bit of a uh, hero. And you, you know, this from from using Web 2.0, from doing a blog where he's actually yeah, being, being real. My name's James Pikeaway. This is Catching Up, and we are in conversation with Hugh McLeod. But this is interesting to me as a marketer. Mm-hmm. See, when I think about marketing, I think about language. Mm. How are you talking to people differently than they've been talked to be- than they've not been talked to before? Mm-hmm. It, you know, what everybody else is doing the ma- mahogany crap. All of a sudden, Tom comes along and starts speaking to people as like human beings. Yeah. And we're we're the blog blog format or the any web two point format you want to talk to about. You can pick your language very easily. And you can play with it, and you can, you can talk to people differently. Mm-hmm. And then, and you can actually see in real time if people respond to that or not. Mm. So if, if your product's all kind of pompous and boring, and you're pompous and boring, nobody reacts. But, you know, if you, if you write with authority and passion and fun, and you see people, you see people responding positively, then you, that, that affects your entire marketing, not just the stuff you put on the blog, but all of a sudden, let's say you're doing an advertising campaign or whatever, you want it to be passionate and with authority and fun as well. And so it kind of, it kind of bleeds into your whole, the whole way. So what, what you find is what works in the blog starts bleeding to the rest of your business. This and that, that's, where the, that's where the sales or that's where the marketing starts to become really effective. It's not so much people look at your blog and go, oh, what a lovely blog. I think I'll go buy your product. It's more, it's really how the blog changes you as a, as a uh, company rather than, you know, a direct sales channel. Hmm. So this and this leads right into Stormhook, yeah. Yeah, so what we started doing, I, a fr- uh, friend of mine had a wine company. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were selling about 50,000 cases a year, which, you know, it's pretty good for a small wine company, but, you know, compared to what Diageo or Constellation sells, it's nothing. And so what we started doing, I started working for them, and, uh, you know, I was writing about what I was doing, and so I said to, I wrote on my blog, you know, well, you know, I'm working for this company, Stormhook, mm-hmm. and I'm, you've never had it, but so you don't really know, you know, until you try the wine, you, you don't know whether what I'm talking about is valid or not. Tell you what, if you're a blogger, I'll give you a bottle, free. Hmm. And this is in England. And so we sent out bottles to, uh, I don't know, a couple hundred of them to UK bloggers saying, hey, just try it. You don't have to blog about it. You don't have to like it. You don't have to be nice about it. I just want you to try it. Now you also, when, uh, when you looked at that, you also played around a bit with their labeling and and used some of your cartoon yeah. for that as well. Yeah, yeah, we we tried different labels. What I'd do is I'd design labels and I'd put them on the blog and say, "What do you think?" and and you could tell by the way people responded to them whether they connected with it or not. And and, and that's what you want as a marketer. Same mm. thing as you want as an artist. I, you I, want to connect. Hugh, I heard a story that when you proposed this to the the person, the sort of the CEO of the company, that you know this is what you wanted to do, some blogging, that the response was you were basically laughed at. What, Stormhook? Yeah. Uh, not really from the owner of the company. I think some of the guys in the company, the managing okay. director, he was, you know, he's... Uh, he was a bit of a traditional wine guy, okay. and uh, by the same time, he was. <laughs> I wasn't laughed at. It was more like, uh, okay, uh, he, he didn't understand. He didn't understand. 
his idea of marketing was you pull a lever and then sales, the cash register rings. Mm. And he didn't really understand. He understands now. He understands now. But, you know, you have to educate people. This idea that you, if, you, uh, if you roll a snowball down a hill and it's a good snowball, it has a pretty good track. You know, pretty good uh, chance of getting traction. Mm. Uh, and it, 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 I always say blogs are a good way to make things happen indirectly. Mm. And and so, how, how do you think? You know, you, how do you can? How do you think you can? We can convince more businesses about this indirect, re, indirect um, happenings that can be generated from blogging on services that essentially cost nothing. My name's James Pikeaway. This is Catching Up, and we are in conversation with Hugh McLeod. It's very hard, actually. It's harder than you think because mm. uh, companies are run like machines for the most part, and it depends what company you're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, traditional marketing is okay, what are you going to do for me? How long is it going to take? And how much is it going to cost? Mm. Boom, boom, boom. And uh, so it's kind of like external machine. You, you kind of add on to the other machine, you know, the big machine, and it all of a sudden increases the efficiency of the big machine. And it doesn't really work that way. It's more like, it's more like you're, you're, when you sell a blog for a company, <coughs> they're very disruptive. And so you're asking yourself a question, well, what am I actually trying to disrupt? Mm-hmm. You know, how am I, how am I wanting to... I mean, everybody, everybody who wants marketing wants a different result because mm. if, they didn't want the, if they were happy with the results, they wouldn't hire me to, to help them with the marketing because they're doing fine, thank you very much. Mm. So... Oh, and I think we've lost him. Oh, oh, here he's back. Okay, you want a different result. Well, you know, the first... Uh, you, know, the old, you know, the old saying is the definition of insanity is wanting to do everything just the same... I look at blogging is saying, well, how do you want to change? How do you want to talk differently to people? Mm-hmm. If you just want to talk the way you're talking to them now, well, you don't need a blog because you're already talking to them this mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas to me, a blog in the kind of corporate marketing or you know, commercial marketing sense is a very cheap, easy, and effective way to experiment with how you talk to people. I like that idea. Experiment with how people talk to those that they're marketing to. Yeah, and 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 like I said, when you start getting a positive result, it becomes not quite addictive, but it gets very quite exciting. <laughs> and all and all of a sudden, you want you want to uh, you want to you you want to continue that. For example, now here here's how the Stormwork thing worked. Okay. Um. We're doing all this crazy stuff with blogs, and we're you know we're promoting the wine through the blogs, and, and the, you know the inter- the internet's alive with all the buzz. Mm-hmm. Well, wouldn't you know? All of a sudden, the trade press and the wine, the UK wine business, they pick up a story and they start writing about it. Next thing you know, you know everyone's going, "Who the hell are these guys?" Mm. And, so, uh, so you generated a buzz via the blog that got picked up by the mainstream yeah. media. Yeah, and so when our salesmen called up the supermarket saying, hey, you know, we work for Stormo, can we come in? They go, okay, yeah, you're those crazy people I read about. Why don't you come in and talk? <laughs> As opposed to, the, you know, the usual thing, which, you know, oh, hi, please buy my wine, is very good. Yeah. It's from Argentina. It's been in the family of 14 generations. You know, the same old stuff everybody else says. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, uh, 
And, and so what, what, what happens is the salesmen walk in, and they know they're getting a lot of buzz, and they know they're doing something interesting. Their body language is different because they know that they're doing something cool. Mm. And that affects the sales process as well, as opposed to how most people sell wine, which is, you know, you know, crawl into the office on their hands and knees begging for them to buy the wine. <laughs> you know, those supermar- you know, there's a lot of people who make wine, and those supermarket people don't mess around. Yeah. And, let, and let's say, uh, you know, another one of my clients is, uh, you know, Microsoft. So let's say there's some Microsoft gig happening, and, uh, you know, we're sponsored, you know, we get some wine at a Microsoft uh, party or whatever. Uh-huh. All of a sudden, when the salesman goes in, he's not just saying, please buy our wine. He's saying, yeah, you know, we were hanging out with Microsoft the other day. It was cool. And all of a sudden, we're talking. We're not having the same conversation that everybody else is having, mm. which is, please buy my wine. I give you a good price. Yeah. It's very good. Mm. You know? So this you know, we're not just talking about, oh, here's a picture of our vineyard, and here's a photograph of a sunset, and here's another photograph of some yuppies sitting around a table in Tuscany having a good old time. You know, it, it, in other words, we're 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 taking language. We're, we're we're the whole point of the blog was it allowed us to speak to the market in a different, original, fun way, as opposed to the usual crap. It it sure and, does and sound like it's it's challenging marketers to break free of some of their molds. And you know, as much as businesses don't want to do that, I don't think the marketing community wants to either. I agree with you. I think I think I think uh, I think a lot of marketing people see marketing as a machine, and they say, okay, how much is it going to cost me for you to pull the lever? And they see the world in a very mechanical way, like we push this button, our customers are going to react like Pavlovian dogs and go buy our product. It actually doesn't work that way. Human beings are very complicated creatures, and where a product, a product has to fit in their own particular narrative and and they want products that are exciting and fun and interesting. They don't want, you know, they don't want to be, you know, electroshocked by a Pavlovian mm. marketing electrode. And in fact, <laughs> they don't. But it, it's, yeah. they the want thing to is, the thing is, the thing is, the, the the mechanical model is very easy to measure. Mm. You know, I spent. Is that the key? Is that the key to you? Do you think is that it's difficult to measure? I mean, I guess you can measure hits on your blog, but otherwise, it's difficult to measure the outcome of the those those posts. Sure, sure, it's difficult. Well, it's easy to measure once the sales go up. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah, you know, I mean, we're. Yeah, I mean, we, when I started, when I started with Stormic, we were doing fifty thousand cases a year. Four years later. One supermarket chain in the UK, what, you know, there's like five major supermarket chains. Uh-huh. One supermarket ca- chain this year alone, and the year's not even over yet, has sold 300,000 cases. Wow. Yeah. And, and you put that down, you know, the ripple effect of doing this blog and the effect that it had on the sales team. Well, it, and, wasn't and a, it wasn't a blog, you know, direct. It, 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 the, blog, the blog was a petri dish of language. Okay. You know, we experimented with language on the blog very cheaply, very easily. Uh And that language experiment informed everything we do. The thing thing is, what I had was I had, you know, a client who wanted to do something different. He did, Mm. you know, uh, and he wanted to do something different. And he didn't, you know, he knew that if he just bought advertising in the trade press, A, it would be expensive, and B, nobody would care. Yeah. 
and you want to do stuff that people cared about that was cheap. <laughs> That's why I came in, because I care, and I'm cheap. Or I, used to, I, I used to be cheap. I used to be cheap. I'm no, I'm no longer cheap. He can no longer afford me. No one can afford me. I'm no longer cheap. But, yeah. Uh, and, and, yeah, like I said, it's all about, it's all about language. Mm. Hugh, marketing, you know, real marketing is all about language. Hugh, I want to thank you very much for taking the time out this evening, our evening, your, your midday as you get ready to hop on a plane. Thank you for joining yeah. us here in Dubai, and I, I hope we can catch up again, and who knows, well, maybe even you. here. I hope, uh, I hope this was useful. Oh, it's fantastic. I want to thank you very much for taking right, the time. Well, great. See you, bye. You have been listening to Catching Up. My guest this week was Hugh McLeod. In fact, this was a 10-year-old conversation that I had with Hugh McLeod and it is as poignant and pertinent as it was when we had it. I look forward to catching up with Hugh again very soon, a 10-year checkup to see what he's gotten up to, what's new, and where he sees things going. If you want to find out more about what we're doing over here on Catching Up, go to podaholics.com and get in touch. My name's James Pikeway. Thank you very much for listening.